Hello, welcome to the Friday Morning Meeting with me, Emma Wright from the Emma Press. And me, Jamie McGarry from Valley Press. Uh, and uh, good morning, Emma. Um, happy Friday. Good morning, Jamie. And happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. I thought maybe a good way to start off our year of podcasting would be to talk a bit about where we are into at the start of 2018 and what our plans are for the year and also what we hope will happen. So we're at both at slightly different stages in our businesses. So yeah, but but I think we're both in quite good places in our businesses as well. So it might be quite interesting to talk yes. about. Yeah, it'd be an optimistic um, yes, show. Yeah. If, if things were going otherwise, I would not suggest it. <laughs> I would suggest something like wishes. Yeah, let's talk, about, let's talk, about, let's talk about where we're at, because I'm in the toilet. <laughs> I'm in the toilet, mate. <laughs> that'll, be a, that'll be a different episode. We'll look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully we'll be able to reflect on kind of how far we've come and also kind of be excited about, about this new year. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess... So right now, the Emma Press is just over five years old. So I started in 2012, published the first book in 2013. Um, I've, I'd say I've been self-sufficient for two years since moving to Birmingham. Um, so I started paying rent. Um, so before that, I was back in with my parents. Um, and I guess in the last few months, it's grown quite quickly. So I think my journey has been first trying to move out of my parents' house, so that took me three years. And then I guess I, I was thinking that I would I was thinking that I would have a business partner. So I spent about a year trying to trying to find a business partner. Um and then I spent and then then last year, I think I was just last year was just very stressful. So I think last year where I was just I was thinking, do I still want to be doing this? Um, and then th- things improved, and now I'm at the stage where I'm working with a few freelancers, and suddenly the capacity of the press has really increased, and I can suddenly start imagining all sorts of things that we can do. So I think right now I'm looking at 2018 and thinking I can't even imagine what kind of things are going to happen. I know some of the books that are going to come out, but I'm still working on training up the freelancers, um, and once once everyone's working at full capacity then you know I'll have, I'll have all this extra time that I'll be able to use to start new projects and so so I'm really excited about this year and I'm glad to see the back of last year but I think it was also a really important year because it kind of taught me a lot about what I wanted to do with the business so I spent a long time thinking I couldn't just be on my own and I needed someone else to help me but actually I think I've now kind of come come to terms with being the boss and I'm starting to enjoy it and making and why making did you think you needed a a business partner if it was the emma press but you thought it's the <laughs> emma and her friend so and so yeah i i think when i started out um you know i, I wanted it to be a, a gift business so i was going to be sewing things and oh yes, on Etsy. Yeah, I so i think when i started out it was going to be just me but it was on a very small scale and i didn't really understand business but i was i was hoping i could somehow make a living with kind of I don't know, like 10 to 15 pound brooches and doing craft fairs and things. And I don't think that would be possible. I think most people who do that would supplement their income by, you know, running workshops or, I don't know, selling more high-end goods as well. Mm, so, or serving, serving time in prison. These are all the 
so yeah, so I think that was my original vision. So that was that was what I was prepared to do on my own. Um, and then when I was, there was always going to be a publishing arm to it, and I kind of thought that would tick along in the background. But I also, I guess, I always thought that I would, I would end up doing it completely with Rachel, who. Um, is the the main editor at the Emma Press. I, I guess I don't because Rachel had a full time job and now she's a freelancer. I think I'd always thought that we'd end up um, just becoming equals and running the press together. So I think for the first, I guess the first three, even four years, I kind of thought that would happen, and so I, I felt kind of very secure. So I think we've had this this talk a lot, this conversation a lot, where. Um, maybe we've talked about kind of feeling quite alone and I've never really felt that alone because I've always I've always had Rachel and I've always felt there was someone else who bounced ideas off and who knew what was going on in the company so I think that that really did keep me going but at the same time kind of hasn't it hasn't really worked out like that because you know like running a business isn't isn't for everyone and and as I guess everyone else could see but me, I, I did call it the Emma Press. So that's quite, um, maybe it would be hard to bring someone in as well. Um, but yeah, so I think I was just in denial for a long time. And I don't know, it's, it's, it is really hard having all of the responsibilities just resting on you. So knowing that every, if you don't do something, if you, so I, I find it very hard to get up in the morning. So if, if I'm kind of struggling to get out of bed I just think none of this work is happening so you're very aware that if you're not doing anything then nothing is happening in in the company whereas once you start kind of sharing out the responsibility there's this really wonderful feeling where stuff is happening so whenever someone is struggling someone else maybe is in a better place and is doing some work so yes it's been said, um, I can't remember by who, but it's been said that the the most satisfying way to be involved in business is to own the trains and have someone else ensure they run on time. Hmm. Um, uh, that th- doesn't seem... I don't know, I wouldn't that say that that's thing? something... No, no, I, I, I wouldn't expect that from you. you. You strike me as someone who would find it more interesting to be making sure that the trains run on time <laughs> rather than just owning the trains. Yeah, that is interesting, and um, it, uh, it's not saying that I'm going to leave it to everyone else and then go and sit in a in a deck chair. But <laughs> I think once you do that, once you're in that position, then you can you can pick and choose which trains you're in on time. Like you can say, "Oh, yes. I'll just work on a Monday afternoon. I'll just do the steam engines because they're they're quite nice. I like the way they puff along and so on." Um, <laughs> you know, I love my metaphors, but especially I love to extend my <laughs> metaphors. Sometimes I've extended metaphors for months and weeks, but <laughs> but um, yeah, but um, so that's that it gives. That's how you have the you have the power over your life, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think I spent a long time feeling that I didn't really have much much power or control in my life, and it was anything that happened to me was up to other people. So I was just kind of waiting quite passively for. You know, people to change their minds or people to to give the me feeling things. feeling of uh, it's sort of especially because I I now I'm now sort of starting my work in the afternoon, so but in in the morning when I'm like playing with my son and his little cars going vroom 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 and so on, and then it is a nice feeling sometimes. I have I have to think that in the office there's um people in there tapping away furiously and um and wrapping books and so on. That is a nice feeling. Uh, so, but you you it sounds like you're heading towards that yeah I am heading towards that I think it's definitely something I need to interrogate a bit further I think 
I grew up kind of you know, hearing about head teachers and deputy heads who just kind of lost all sense of what the day-to-day life of being an actual teacher was because they'd kind of gone beyond that. So they weren't very sympathetic to the um, the struggles and the, the pressures of actually teaching classes. Um, so I... I've always thought, well, I can't lose touch of what it's actually like to do all of all of this stuff. But obviously, as you're growing the company, it doesn't really make sense to be doing every single thing yourself. So, I guess one of the, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot recently is kind of how big is too big. Um, so, for a company, so when people ask me that increasingly because they'll say, "Oh, you're doing really well. Um, is your plan to, I don't know, be the next penguin or whatever?" Um, and then I'll have to explain that. I am ambitious, but I'm not sure if I'm not sure if just being the biggest company in the world is a helpful goal now or whether it ever was. I feel like what we're seeing now is kind of the flaws in just kind of growing exponentially. Um, but then it's really hard to know when to stop, and that would be a nice problem to have. But I don't know. I think this is maybe something you're finding. I guess you're a few years further down the line than me. And like, do you find yourself wondering kind of when when you'd stop, like how how big you'd grow Valley Press, and well, what, when you'd kind of nip it in the bud or whatever? I think that my um, my goal have I told you this before? Let's say, well, you, you don't know what I'm going to say yet. But my goal <laughs> is that I'll be happy. I'll be really happy. I'll go and sit in my deck chair when everyone who's written a book and everyone who's everyone who's written a good book, let's say. Um, which deserves to be published, can then have it published and um, have that great process and have it be turned into the best possible um, product. And then after that, then it is then marketed in the best possible way and everyone who would like it hears about it and and everyone's happy. But I think that's that's not really an achievable goal. <laughs> are you, You're not just talking about Valley Press, are you talking about the whole world? everyone who wants to write a book yeah <laughs> everyone just, who has the ability to write a book being able to write a book it just it troubles me looking at the submissions and seeing all these great people and they've all written great books but we can't help them there's just too many you know it's, this is this, many humanitarians across history have uh, suffered with this problem <laughs> <laughs> i mean there are a lot of more serious causes in the world like i, I could have developed myself life to cure malaria or something but um, like Bill Gates, uh, but uh, it, but first of all, publishing—that's the first thing. Um, I've said this somewhere else. Uh, yeah. Recently. Well, I think the thing there is, um, like, we have to consider how much we can achieve within our own businesses, but also what what the most useful thing to do with our skill set would be. And I think we've talked about this before as well about how I think there should be lots more small publishers and really we should really kind of change the whole industry so it's not so top yes. heavy yeah because and... i don't ever i don't ever really think that valley press is going to be big enough to publish everyone who deserves it but that's why i do um these podcasts for a start and um and the articles that I sometimes write on the on yeah that, because i'm trying to hurry everyone else up along and i'm like come on we all need to we all need to step up and um to achieve this dream but it's not really a dream I ever expect to achieve, but it's not a bad thing to work towards. So, well, I, so I think I've given an overview of where the Emma Press is at. Uh, Jamie, where is Valley Press at at the moment? And wh- what do you think 2018 holds? Well, last year was all about 
staffing up really because this time last year so uh january 20 2017 um, 2017 yeah thank you so january 2017 i was it was just me at that point because i'd had had a few people working for me before but they'd kind of fallen away and it was ended up being just me so i was looking at 2017 as being the only person in the business oh yeah and you're back to basics weren't you you're back to basics jamie i think was i, I <laughs> thinking that's how i thought of you <laughs> it no, was your back to basics was, phase was i living out of an igloo or... <laughs> <laughs> oh well you're just kind of you're Catching just talking a lot about how hand. you wanted to get back to basics and do it all yourself and that was the that was that was what you'd always wanted to do and i was very skeptical of this and then within a few weeks you'd acquired yeah. six stuff <laughs> yeah that does sound familiar actually yeah uh, yeah. So, yeah during the year it's been about adding to the team and um and filling all the things that need to be done and having someone to do all the different things need to be done within Valley Press. Uh, and this we have spoke about, definitely, because then I've said something about being, um, if I was hit by a bus tomorrow, it would carry on fine on, yeah. uh, on, the, on a Monday morning. Um, so, uh, so I feel like I've got there now and I've got this now infrastructure in place. Mm-hmm. And... And I've also got because we've got an arts council grant for this year. Oh, I've yes. also got. I'm also. I've also. It's almost like I've been given a, some time to to work on it a bit more. So we've got this infrastructure in place, and we've got the money to keep it running for a year. So in next year, 2019, um, it needs to be a company that can support itself and also employ all these people. That's so you won't do another arts council grant, or that's my goal for the year. Like, are you, are you thinking this will be the last one, or this will be the last big one? What arts council wise? Yeah, um, I think I'll keep dabbling. I mean, this is another discussion, and we don't want to accidentally yeah. move on to the next section, or do we? <laughs> um, maybe we do. Right, cue music. Next section coming. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so arts council. Seamless um, <laughs> <similar laughs> that. Seamless that. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I think I will keep dabbling because mm-hmm. we live in a country where the there is a government or sort of pseudo government agency which will subsidize the kind of publishing we like to do. Yeah. Um and so to not take advantage of it seems unnecessarily recalcitrant. Yeah, I do think it would be kind of in a way perverse not to apply for arts council funding but i guess at the same time it's not just it's not just free money you also have to abide by the the goals of the arts council and you have to do all the paperwork so that's so far what's going to put me off applying for a, another grant since my last couple of tour grants i guess it's the idea that like the arts council's goals are commendable and they're, i think currently it's um, great art for everyone or I might have moved on to something else now but it's still kind of it's obviously about trying to get quantifiable results so that they can report back and continue to get some money so that's that's all really good but I don't know just sometimes I just think about how it works and how you have to apply for art that won't be able to sustain itself financially in the real world so that they wouldn't they probably wouldn't give you money to release a Coldplay album, but they would They would give you money to put on a very obscure dance piece in a a small venue. 
Yeah, where they and, play um, Coldplay songs with dustbin lids. <laughs> yeah, so... Yes, yeah, I, I guess there's something about it strikes me as... I don't know. In, in a way, it, it's kind of... It's trying to do its best in a in an imperfect world and that's in a way that's all all we can do but at the same time I think it's it makes it increasingly hard for people to kind of move from doing very niche or apparently niche art forms that don't get much attention and are not financially sustainable into being financially sustainable because you're kind of encouraged to do things which wouldn't otherwise be created you know I think that's there I think that's what they like that's what yeah. I've always, I've always sort of suggested that in my bids, my two successful bids now, um, mm-hmm. um, and I've said that look, we could do just loads of commercial stuff. I could chase these novels. I could do more stuff like our Britpop book and things that are commercial. Yeah. I could definitely do. We do that all year and make this money. Or you can give us some money, and instead we'll do interesting, quirky poetry pamphlets and and uh, short story collections that. Uh, expand your mind and that sort of thing and and they go oh yeah we like that kind of thing there should be some of that here's some money i think that's the simple that's the simple um, <laughs> the simple way of how it works yeah but do you, do you ever get annoyed that there is no there's no middle way there's no way of publishing stuff that isn't apparently very commercial and and also being independent like it feels like it's the arts council or nothing if well, this is the, this is the living. big problem this is something i'm wrestling with like on an hourly basis at the moment Are you ready for this? <laughs> yeah yeah because at the moment with all these staff and the office and so on the company overheads are something like sixty-five thousand pounds a year at value mm. price um, and that's with that's before you start printing or or anything else um, yeah so then then we have another question of how many books can you do a year um, yes. and we'll get onto that in a minute <laughs> the, the sections are all blending together <laughs> welcome back now, yeah, maybe, the, can... maybe the arts council will be a regular segment as we continue maybe, to wrestle with like our it, thoughts yeah. yeah as I'm now, sure I'll, I, I'll continue I think it's probably only possible for a single imprint to do 36 books a year um, <laughs> what, what, what do you think of that? Um, I'd say that a lot of the listeners will be spluttering into their coffees. <laughs> um, do you do you think that's? Are you saying thirty six is the maximum a small imprint can put out or should put out? Because I'm thinking, like the main things I think about when I um, consider how many books to do is capacity, so capacity of staff to to get these books out there, and I guess kind of market saturation like not really market saturation but kind of how many books in the kind of smallish poetry scene kind of people want to see so there's always talk of kind of other older um poetry publishers just kind of putting out dozens and dozens of books and kind of overwhelming all reviewers and not being able to get enough press coverage so the books were there but no one really knew about them even because there were just too many of them so i feel like that's a cautionary tale but should it be like like why you you, you my, my thinking is that the marketing channels are going to be saturated and yeah even if you're doing if you're doing a weekly newsletter and you're doing say let's imagine you try to do 52 books a year and you had a weekly newsletter then mm. every newsletter is talking about the new book and yeah your fans the the hardcore followers who are very much responsible for the continuing survival of valley press 
Um, the artists cancel. The 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 <laughs> hardcore fans, they they can't buy a book every week. They can't can't read a book every week probably because they're too busy. Yeah. Um, so it's it then you you and then also your Twitter be completely filled with each book would only get about a week of marketing and so on. Um, yeah. It, the, there is you know time limits this is why this is why the big publishers have so many imprints i suppose yeah yeah because then you build it, your own audience reach imprints yeah. and it's not so much of an issue i don't really know how many books a week or a year bigger publishers publish though kind of well at, at penguin random yeah. house or, mm-hmm. or ran, random penguin house as you might like to call them slightly slightly more amusing <laughs> i think it's a shame they didn't go for that <laughs> uh, they must do thousands a year Really? Well, let's say a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I mean, I don't have, have these figures. If you have these figures, please write in. Do you want to give the, <laughs> to give the email addresses now, Emma? <laughs> well, it's, if you want to email me, I'm at editor at com, And if you want to email Jamie, it's jamie at valleypressuk.com. That's beautiful. We're well, getting, getting better at that. <laughs> it's quite good to begin with. Yeah. So where, where do we get to in the discussion? So, yeah, so how, how many books we should publish a year? So I've been thinking so far, like I, it's only been in the last few months that I've had kind of more than one kind of regular freelancer working with me. So up till now, I've mostly been thinking, how many books can I publish in a year? And that's varied between, I think, seven and 17. Um and 17 was too many <laughs> and eight you know eight was manageable but that was a lot that year was a lot of anthologies which is also very time consuming so now I've got 10 books I think scheduled for this year but I wonder if we can push it up to even you know 20 and, and see if see if now I have a few few lances maybe we can handle it but then the main thing I'm thinking about is having them in different genres so that they there wouldn't be 20 poetry books. There'd be, I don't know, eight poetry books and then some short stories, some essay collections, some children's books. So I feel like then, because I'd be promoting them in different three different channels, I'd, I'd have less of a risk of kind of... Um, kind of burning out all of my contacts because they're not like the booksellers probably not gonna post press releases from the same sm- very small publisher kind of more than once a month i don't know i guess i haven't really yes. tried them well there was a recent but... article in the in the bookseller where a publishing expert i've forgotten his name sorry whoever you are the publishing expert it was a well-read he's fine he's a well, really well-read article uh, the publishing expert decided that the maximum one imprint could do a year was 14 he said one a month and two extra at Christmas. That's the maximum you can do. And that was a uh, kind of a one-man band type of publisher. No, that's or... any any imprint, however big any you are. Any imprint. Yes, any single imprint. And which kind of what level of the trade was this guy from? Like, is he from the big guys or the? Uh, I can't, can't remember now. Maybe I'll because the other thing about how many books you're publishing is, is if you're having to support kind of yourself and your staff and kind of keep up with all of, all of those costs, then you can't publish too few books because some of them just inevitably won't sell that well. So you can't kind of put all your eggs in these kind of papery baskets. You've got to, you've, you've got to hedge your bets a bit. So I think the, the constant struggle is kind of balancing needing to publish a lot of books but also not having the capacity and not having the marketing outlets 
to do so many books, but but at the same time just needing to keep going. And so I feel like a lot of the time I'm kind of just trundling along <laughs> with no, no clear plan and just kind of hoping that a few books take off. But I th- and I think I suspect a lot of pub- small publishers are in the same position, just kind of thinking, well, I'd like to do more, but do I have time? And also, would it make any difference if I, if I did put out more books? Like if you could, if you could put out fifty books, would you? I guess that's one of one question would be interesting to consider. If you could put out a hundred books in a year, would you? It's not so much. It, it's more about do you need to split split up your list before you reach that number? Because my thinking at the moment is we we are doing thirty six books this year, or certainly thirty six projects, and mm-hmm. they vary they vary widely. Uh, well, I won't get into them all now, but there's a, there's a big variety in them all. Um, yeah. Um, and so this is 36 books and the um, overheads were something like 65 grand a year, let's say. And so that, I did this, I did this maths and it worked out <laughs> being something like, something like £1,800 a book proceeds needed to keep the company going. Because it's, yeah. 30, it's 65 divided by 36. So... If in 2019 we can still only do 36, and that's how many I feel comfortable, that's how many me and the team feel comfortable doing. If we can still only do 36 next year, then then we need to make sure that every book is the kind of book that is going to make £1,800, more mm. or less. Would you agree with that? Yes, I do. So these, the kind of small, really quirky poetry books like pamphlets and so on, that, to be honest, is, is one of the th- things I'm most passionate about in the publishing world. Um, they aren't, they're, I'm not going to be able to do them, almost. I'm going to have to sort of say, well, I'd love to give you a chance w- with your experimental poetry pamphlet, you unknown person from the pro- from the provinces. But um, can we do it? We can't really do it because you'll only sell yeah, 200 copies but- or whatever. You know the bigger publishers; they'll their whole list will be supported by just a handful of titles. So it's not really an either-or situation. I'd have thought you could also publish some more commercial titles, which you think will shift quite a lot of copies and make you know two thousand, three thousand pounds. Yeah. So you could do. Um, you could do. Yeah. yeah. You could do eight books, which you know are going to make four thousand pounds, and then the other twenty-eight will be sort of hope, more hopeful chancy books yeah but i don't have i don't have access to these ones that are going to make four thousand pounds i, I, I <laughs> no, i've never seen a proposal or a submission that i thought oh this is easy money here comes four grand um so mm. where am i going to get those books from hmm that's interesting so over my my lunch meeting today i was talking a bit about whether whether the fact that bigger publishers will sell kind of huge numbers of books is, is down to the quality of the book or just down to the fact that they have a marketing and publicity budget. So I think it's kind of two different questions, whether you can get books which you think should sell that many, because some books I think you just look at and you think, well, this is really great, but I'm not sure how big the audience is out there for it. And I can't I can't create this audience within a few months. So this will, this will be decades of work to create the, the audience for experimental kind of text speak poetry um and then the other question is oh i've forgotten the other question <laughs> um oh yes yeah, so, so it, it's partly it's partly down to the quality so whether 
whether you can find these books that have the potential to be a commercial success. So I'd say, for example, um, my anthology of love. Well, I think a lot of books have the they have the potential, don't they? All of your books have the potential for success, and I'd say most of mine do. They all could go on to be successful. Yeah, I, I'd say I'm... no. I, well, I'd say some of them. I was just trying very hard to plug my new book, Jamie. So oh, the Emma Press anthology of love. Mm, <laughs> I'd say now. that <laughs> that has the potential to be in all bookshops, kind of st- stacked high in all gift shops. Um, whereas I'd say most of the poetry pamphlets, they are more of a niche offering in that they would sit, they'd suit certain kinds of people, I guess, just kind of certain voices, certain tastes. So I, I wouldn't think that they would be a nationwide hit, whereas I'd say an anthology of love, just thematically, I guess the poems are still quite esoteric, but still that has the potential. But and the other thing, that the other reason a book might be successful is the marketing and publicity budgets and I guess the contacts and the prestige. So I think the bigger newspapers will be, they would review a book if it was published by Penguin, but they'd be less likely to have space for a smaller publisher. So yeah, the branding. Yeah, I agree. The odds are kind of stacked against us because yeah, you're right. Even if we had a book that could be a hit, it will be very hard to achieve it. But I know, I think making, making 4,000 pounds back on a book, that's not profit. Is it that just making it back? Um, that's, I don't think it should be. That's your pro- that is profit actually. Um, okay. Certainly, that is profit after after the overheads. Or is, no, no, before the overheads. Yeah. So that's after printing, let's say, but before that portion of the company overheads. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know if it should be out of our reach. I th- I feel like sometimes there are so many kind of received wisdoms about publishing and poetry publishing, like oh, you know the best way to make a small fortune publishing is to start off with a big fortune <laughs> and I think there's no money in poetry and you know no one wants to read poetry books no one wants to buy poetry books and well we know think, we know that's not true don't we? well yeah the, the best thing to do with all that advice is to ignore it because I don't know <laughs> it's you're never going to find a way out of the situation unless you there, there are poetry pamphlets that. That, have, that have hit the bestseller lists Oh, there's not there's not many, um, but then there's not that many being published, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think just obviously it's hard to see the big picture when you're just trying to kind of earn enough money to get by or just to keep your company going. But the big picture is that we're all working towards, I guess, educating our audience and kind of showing them that their tastes might be broader than they could imagine. So I think. All the publishers are working towards this, so I'd hope they are. But that doesn't help us on the day-to-day level of paying people salaries, paying paying freelancers and paying printers. So I think anyone I hire now should be a mark in the marketing or publicity area until those mm-hmm. book sales go up and up and up. Until we can yeah. until we can hit start hitting those targets. I think anyone else I add should be a marketing person. Now, the latest person to join the team, and they've just started today, actually, officially, mm-hmm. is 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 um, called the Reader Engagement Officer. Ah, yeah, I've seen that a, title place in places, but what does that mean for you? Um, it just means that they're responsible for grabbing a reader, grabbing a Valley Press book, and then pushing the two together. It's like matchmaking, <laughs> but, that's, uh, <laughs> but in the in the broader sense, they'll be um, they'll be doing some of the newsletters and social media and 
giveaways and, and things like that and just thinking of and ideas as well just think coming up with lots and lots of ideas that seems to be um, the way forwards but that okay. is it's only day one so i've no idea how well that will work so that's uh, to be to be continued well actually this brings us on to our one listener question and i wondered if this, now is a good time to to get into that um, I should say that we're very open to receiving questions. We'd love to have more questions. Um, if we don't get more questions, we'll have to start making up our own questions. Um, but thank, thankfully, for the last couple of weeks, we have had questions. Um, so this one's from Taika Bellamy on Facebook. Uh, and she asks, did you, you and Jamie consciously think about the branding before you set up your presses? Or did it evolve as the presses took off? And then she very kindly says, because both brands are pretty impressive. Thank you very much, Taker. It kind of came bit by bit. I mean, I thought of the name. I just had to think of a name to make originally my my own novel look more legitimate. <laughs> so I named it after the road I lived on. That's the original um, thing. But it, we had Valley Road and there was Valley Gardens and Valley Bridge and Valley Bar. And I could see them all from my flat at the time. So it was it seemed obvious. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then after that, it's kind of become what I always wanted. The publisher to to be and the fundamental core of that is that i wanted it to be inclusive and transparent yeah i suppose and i've been working towards that as much as i can um and i hope i've made some progress in those two but directions y- you keep saying you want to be more transparent i wouldn't say you're particularly opaque as a publisher yeah not, not saying i definitely need to be more transparent i'm just saying no um, you're constantly sharing that, your that's figures. part of the branding yeah, that's that, suppose part of the brand. Okay, uh, it, that's on purpose. It's, um, yeah, it's it's inclusive and transparent and fair, and it's not just about the money, but it, uh, it's acknowledging that you do need money if you're going to keep doing yeah. it. Yeah. So thinking about money, but not that's not why you're doing it, but you're always thinking about it. Yeah. And what about <laughs> So. I feel like you you also have a very strong visual identity across your covers. I would say it's it's classy but also interesting i feel like some of those classy covers can just be just a bit homogenous yeah i i struggle to see that but a lot of people have said to me oh they can see that they can see the thread between them yeah and at one point it was well that's because i designed them all they're all the work of the same designer yeah um but now that's not so true i think there's now maybe 10 percent of them that i haven't designed but a lot of those people were looking at all my designs and trying to mimic my style yeah, yeah. so i think it's just it's what looks good to my eye that's the um, yeah but the again so you've got you've just made it very very personal and you've grown it from there so you've thought what do i jamie think looks good and then you've kind of put that across all of your books. And I think people recognise that, even though it's not immediately clear to you. And when I did it in a more obvious way, because I've used my handwriting across everything. So, well, pr- across nearly everything. So, I, I and I was just assuming that if I put my handwriting on everything, <laughs> it would literally have this, like the stamp of my hand on it. Um, but equally, just sort of trusting in your taste and trusting in... Um, that across lots of different kinds of books, lots of different cover designs, something of what you you find aesthetically pleasing will bring them together. Yeah. Well, I thought if I if I'm going to have a publisher, I'm going to make damn sure that all the all the covers look good to me. Yes, 
whether they look good to you is not um, <laughs> or the next person is 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 important too but at least i have to look at them i have to look, be able to look at the collection and go ah, that's, oh, look, those look yeah good. yeah because that's, that's another thing i thought about a lot when i was starting out um i just thought i'm gonna have to look at these books for hopefully the rest of my life i'm gonna have to work with these authors and be linked to them in some way and look at these books um hopefully we've answered your question um and we to your satisfaction. and we beg you to send in more questions about publishing um actually just about publishing um and we'd be very happy to ask <laughs> them i don't want to other i don't i talk about anything i okay. talk about life um lifestyles <laughs> favorite cheeses I have some interesting stuff to say about that. Yeah. Well, you can try and we'll see. But yeah, do send us any yeah. questions. You can get us on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, and our email addresses, again, are editor at theemmapress.com and jamie at valleypressuk.com. Um, you've been listening to Friday Morning Meeting with me, Emma Wright. And me, Jamie McGarry. Goodbye. Goodbye. And thank you. Do 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 do